2: Good morning and welcome to Fed Talk. Today is Friday, February 25th, and I'm Jason Breifel from Shaw, Bransford & Roth. Today I'm sitting down with Bob Doherty, the Acquisition and Contracting Product Man- Management Director from Management Concepts. Bob, thanks so much for
0: being here with us. My pleasure, Jason.
2: Before we dive into our conversation, just wanted to briefly introduce uh, Bob and his background. Uh, he recently joined the company um, and, and it has a lot of experience with the defense acquisition workforce. Uh, He was uh, with the Defense Systems Management College um, through 2017. Before that, the Director of the Acquisition Career Management within the Office of the Secretary of Defense and for the Fourth Estate. And earlier in his career, he was the Dean at the Defense Acquisition University, DAU. Uh, So Bob has had a ton of experience over the past uh, many years working on these issues with the defense acquisition workforce in the broader Government acquisition workforce, and I'm really excited to have him here today on Fed Talk. We're going to be talking about this exciting new program. Uh, management concepts is launching in just two weeks on March 10th. And you know, this, this new program is using a theme, and, and we're going to talk about this some, Bob, that, that's really interesting, a Mission to Mars theme uh, to elevate uh, what, what learners are focused on and, and drive home that connection between mission and the activities that uh, employees are working on. And so we're going to talk about this program in great detail today over the next hour. Uh, before we dive into that, you know, I just want to take a step back for our listeners. Um, can you just tell us about Management Concepts, what you all have been doing over the history of the, com- uh, the company, and uh, a little bit about your work focused on this, this part of the federal workforce, the acquisition workforce?
0: Certainly. Uh, the company Management Concepts uh, was founded many decades ago uh, by the current CEO's father, In response to his perception at the time that there was a lack of adequate training in uh, the defense sector in preparing at that time, contracting professionals to do their job. The company has since grown over the last several decades and under the stewardship of uh, the the original founder's son uh, to now have a broad base of of training and consulting uh, work that we do. With the federal government, still with DOD uh, to a large extent as well, and also with some private sector clients and it covers the full gamut of what you might consider acquisition activities from from contracting to financial management uh, leadership. Project management. We have a services department that does a lot of work in the consulting and coaching arena as well, and we've got a plethora of activity that we're involved with. Uh, and anybody that goes to our website can can see the breadth of the activity that we have. Thanks so much, Bob. And it it seems like
2: uh, federal procurement, while it's always been a part of how the government does its job, it seems like it keeps becoming more and more important, more integral to the ability of agencies to to meet their mission. Um, Just curious if if you are seeing that as well and and kind of what, what drew you to the company and, and and working on these things, given your background, working on these things on the government side for, for many years.
0: Oh, absolutely. So, so federal procurement law is one of the guideposts of, of the profession, right? So statute and regulation are the guideposts. uh, And, and they give us those, the, the landscape that we need to operate within and sort of guide us in making our decisions. However, Things that have been constant within the framework in addition to the, the ever-present, never-changing federal procurement law, that, that changes in um, response to world events, to you know, events within our own government as well. And, and frankly, it changes in response to mistakes that are made. And so then the law has to change to accommodate for those mistakes and fill in the gaps, if you will, so that we don't make those mistakes in the future. So, so all those guide rails are out there and the, the world is a constantly changing place. One of the things that is crucial to people who are in the acquisition and contracting space is preparation and development. And so one of the things that that has been missing in the preparation aspect of this really has been the type of learning that that we're now putting together about with with our, our product launch on March 10th. So the technical aspects of learning have always been there, right? These are the, the statutes that you need to understand. These are the things you need to operate within, and here's how you do it. Right and And to some extent, there was some framework given for that. But what's been missing is what I'll call experiential learning. So it's not only getting that information, but then to apply it within, say, a scenario, seeing how those decisions affect that scenario, getting feedback from those decisions, and then being able to determine, for instance, which parameters you might have missed if it wasn't the greatest decision, right? Or if it was a good decision. Then discuss some of those things you took into account when you made that decision. Did you take into account the second and third order consequences of your decision, right? Did you you look at strategically the future aspects of that decision and how they would play out long-term over, for instance, the life of the contract that you're establishing? You know, what kind of relationship did you establish when you signed that contract? Because it's a business relationship, right? So how are you going to conduct business? What kind of relationship are you going to have with a contractor on the other end of that? Right. So these kinds of preparation activities, allowing people to apply, rehearse and get feedback on the technical content that they're uh, getting and absorbing through training have usually been on the fast paced from their supervisor if they have time. And they haven't been in an academic environment where they can practice it before they have to do it for real. And so the design of this new program was to allow them to have that engaging atmosphere before they have to get on the job and do this for real
2: right so if i heard you right this is this is cultivating that skill set of of understanding the context that you're working in the situation mm-hmm. that's evolving as you're actually doing the thing so so this isn't mm-hmm. contracting in a box where uh, all variables are put aside this is life happens the real world happens how do you help people navigate that because we know stuff is going to come up Someone might have missed something, good, bad or otherwise and and we need to help our professionals be more resilient to what you know how that goes when it happens. yeah
0: absolutely. yeah, that that's giving them that that uh, framework and and then seeing how the framework is applied is crucial. and then and giving them some feedback from a mentor or a coach that helps them understand how to apply those concepts to me is, is absolutely crucial to the not only the development, ongoing development of our contracting professionals, but it's critical to that baseline development when come into the career field. Get them That's, off on the right foot, right? As opposed to, uh, you know, um, standardized, if you will. As good a preparation as we can for people coming into the career field. So they not only understand it better to begin with, but their career enhancement and career development is better because they start off on the right foot.
2: Yeah, and you know, this is maybe taking a step backwards before we go forward, but, you know, how much foundational information do people need on just the laws, the rules you mentioned that gives the guardrails? And, and we seem to be, I think, pretty good at that stuff. Um, is, is that where we need the focus or it's, it's, it's the other side of the equation?
0: So training is pretty good at helping people understand the guardrails, right? And understand the regulatory and statutory requirements of their job. Um, there's a bunch of good training out there that will immerse you in that. But that's not all there is, right? You've got to not only, and and with today's technology, that information's at tips. You can search the regulations and the laws to find the information that you need. The real trick is in knowing how to apply that, when to apply it, what to apply, and then how those decisions play out from a business standpoint. Um, one of the things I've always thought of as AC professionals is we are the strategic business advisors of our organization. Whether that's an agency, a program, a command, a department, right? We are the ones who are strategic business advisors. We're the ones who are supposed to set the framework for those strategic decisions that need to be made and then give the uh, regulatory and, and legal background for that as well so that the senior decision makers have all the information at their hands and then go execute the decision within the confines of the law and the regulations.
2: Awesome and we're gonna we're gonna dig into this conversation. Uh, some more. We've got a pause here for our first break. You're listening to Fed Talk on Federal News Network. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Fed Talk on Federal News Network. I'm here with Bob Daughtry, the Acquisition and Contracting Product Management Director for Management Concepts. We're discussing the, their new Career Gateway Acquisition Program. Um, and, and right before the break, we're talking about the, the work that goes into prepare uh, the acquisition workforce and ensure they know the rules of the road. We seem to be doing pretty good on that. Um, but, uh, you know, there clearly were some gaps. That, that, that Management Concepts identified, maybe that you saw, Bob, um, given your experience in this space. Uh, and, and I'd like you to talk about some of that as, as you all are rolling out this new Acquisition Workforce program. Um, what were some of those things that you were trying to fill?
0: Well, s- some of the gaps that, that I've seen over my career, and I've got about 37 years in, in acquisition between active duty and civilian time prior to joining Management Concepts. Um, is that people really didn't get, in my mind, a a good enough appreciation for what I'll call the business activities of the government. So, as an acquisition and contracting professional, you are conducting business on behalf of the government. So, understanding a framework of how those instruments you craft fit into trying to, to bring requirements to bear, you know, whether... You know, when I was in the Department of Defense, we used to say the warfighter requirements because the, the person at the end of everything we did was the warfighter, right? Whatever color suit they wore, we supported them in one form or another. Um, you know, in the federal government, it's not that different. Sometimes the, the stakeholder at the end is a little bit different, but there's always somebody that needs or that the government is there to, to help out, to deliver uh, either commodities or services for, so that we can continue doing our missions. Um, the landscape of COVID really kind of highlighted that a lot. I mean, we've all been through some significant uh, truncations to the way we usually did our life in the past couple of years as a result of this unprecedented virus. And so we've had to do things differently. Um, and so one of those things that people have done differently the last couple of years is a lot of training that was prior done in the classroom has now been pushed into a virtual environment in various forms right some of it is just what i'll call totally synchronous learning that doesn't require much um, uh, of, a, of an instructor presence if you will to sort of facilitate things all the way up to a fully facilitated virtual online instructor session where you've got feedback and you've got uh, interaction going on and so there's various flavors in between but this is sort of what's come to the forefront in the last couple of years as a result we've had to take a hard look at how we train our professionals not just content but methodology and how we do that the pedagogy involved uh, and so one of the things we did when we took a step back was and companies have been grappling with this for a while at least you know in the idea stage is how can we make the training more immersive you know what can we do to make it the first thoughts were more interesting, right? Gamification and, and, you know, trying to make things more interesting as you're going through the classroom, you put little widgets in or whatever you have to do or maybe games so that you keep them more interested. Because, you know, it can be pretty dry if you're studying the federal acquisition regulations. And that's all you're looking at, you know, is chapter and federal acquisition regulations. But, but if you can throw something in there to capture somebody's interest, right, but then that sort of keeps them in. A little more uh, in, entwined with what you're trying to do, and it enhances the effect of the training. And so we want to step further with that. And we said, well, right, n- not only would gamification be nice, right? But what happens if you can immerse the student in some sort of a scenario? right? Make it interesting. And so I think we've done that, and, and I'm sure we'll get into you know the scenario itself in a little bit, but 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 we try to have this as a backdrop. and then we, we put the student inside that scenario. Give them some technical content that they really need to understand and then have them apply that inside the scenario so they can see real time what the effect on that would be and how it plays out in the design of the scenario. So, you know, every scenario, you got something to do to accomplish, so to speak. So as an acquisition and contracting professional, you have to make decisions every day that not only obligate the government to work, right? Because you're hiring somebody to help you, whether it's a service or a commodity. and then you have to see how those decisions play out and the effects of those to see whether you made a good decision or not, or, or at least whether you made the best decision. Right. Okay. And so by immersing them in a scenario and having them practice these concepts, they get an idea of what their decision process is and then decisions play out. So they find and hone their skills for the workplace when they actually have to go do this for real clients and real stakeholders.
2: On, you mentioned several kind of uh, new things that you're bringing to the table. Um, and I'm, I, these are uh, terms and phrases that I'm certainly have heard a lot coming out of the, the training industry um, mm-hmm. as we are you know, connecting the dots between gamification and engaging people and helping you know, make that content and that information sticky in their minds by uh, linking it with, with other things that are going on. and, and the notion that by going virtual, you You can potentially uh train or help way more people learn um mm-hmm. perhaps at their own pace. Some of them may be going faster than others, and that can be okay. Uh, I would imagine you've you've baked some of that into uh, the approach um, here with this new acquisition workforce program
0: so it's a uh the new program is a blended program, and by blended I mean it's a combination of synchronous and asynchronous activity. So simple definition between that. Uh, Synchronous activity is that which is typically designed for a classroom environment, whether you are doing it um, in a brick and mortar type classroom or you're doing it in a virtual space, right? Uh, Synchronous is work that can be done independently by the student offline, so to speak, on their own time. There's a deadline for submission, but they can do it as they can fit it into their routine whether they're back on the job and they've got things to do there they have a home life right and so you've got to work things out at home but the asynchronous activity allows you to fit it in your normal schedule as long as you get it done on a prescribed timeline Uh, and so we blended that together so the synchronous activity is most of it is around those technical concepts that they need to understand the statutory and regulatory information and some group learning that needs to occur and then the asynchronous activity which they'll go off and do on their own, is really uh, research that they need to do, some readings that they need to do, uh, for for both content knowledge and to understand like maybe where they are in the scenario, some multimedia presentations. Uh, There'll be some uh, asynchronous independent learning checks so that they can see how well they're assimilating the information that they've been given. And there'll be some cohort discussions that take place, too, um, like um, bulletin board posts and things like that that they need to do, discussion posts that they can do asynchronously. So we've we've looked at how to blend these two types of learning together and to create a product that enhances uh, the learning of the individual and makes them a better prepared workforce member.
2: And is that um, is that new for, for acquisition workforce training or? Um... Or, or is it the amalgam of
0: putting the pieces together that way? I, I, don't think anybody's ever put the pieces quite together the way that we have here. So there is synchronous learning that has taken place for years and is still taking place today. Uh, and there is some cohort activity, as a matter of fact, that that also has taken place and takes place today. Um, most of that, in my experience, has been in the leadership domain. A lot of leadership training does take advantage of that, and and. There's been some other types of cohort activities for specific training events as well. But there isn't anything like this in the AC space, in the acquisition and contracting space, that is preparatory at the the initial stages of someone's career that really helps get them ready for the job quite the way that this does. A lot of the other types of activity have been more in advanced parts of people's career that I have noticed, where they have a little more experience under their belt and maybe a couple of jobs and have... Have something when they come to the table that they can discuss more in those intermediate or senior environments. Um, but this has really been missing from the beginning environment of somebody's career. And one of the other things environmentally that's going on, that's really sort of, um, changed the landscape. And, and as a matter of fact, this product now fits beautifully into that space is that it started with DOD and the federal government is sure to follow shortly, but. The certification requirements now. There's a law, the Defense Acquisition Workforce Improvement Act, which for the Department of Defense um, sort of laid out that training has to occur for all members of the acquisition workforce. And then Title 10 uh, also calls out specific additional requirements and training for the acquisition workforce. And when I talk about acquisition here, I mean the contracting workforce, right? So, so these requirements have always been laid out, and then. Up around them grew this certification construct that said, okay, in order to give you your training, we're going to make sure that we can certify that you know how to do what you're doing. So, many years, this this construct. Makes a lot of sense. It, the what? Makes a lot of
2: sense in concept.
0: It does. You've got to have a structure, right? So anytime you're going to assess something, you need some sort of structure to help you. So over time, this three-level structure grew up which is roughly equivalent to entry level or beginning and then the intermediate level at the second level and then the senior or expert level would be the third level. They've been called various things over the years but that's a sort of easy to understand way to think about the three levels. And there've been a lot of training associated with that. So in tracking space, roughly 650 hours of training over those three levels over the years. Wow. Uh, and so the Department of Defense has just sort of reshuffle the deck and on the beginning of this month on February 1st they put into enactment a brand new certification construct for the contracting workforce which now consists of one level of training about 185 hours and something brand new to the career space which is a certification exam which is actually in line with industry standards that you do something like that but they've taken 650 hours and boiled it down to less than a third of that. Now, that doesn't mean that you don't need more training as your job progresses, right? You, you still need career development, career enhancement. But now in order to be certified as a contracting professional and hold a warrant, which is the, the, the key to your job for the government, you need less training. So it's incumbent upon that training, I think, to prepare you in the best way possible then to start your job. The rest is reliant on on-the-job training and the individual's search for career development and career enhancement as they go through their particular career.
2: Yeah, this is really interesting. And, you know, it sounds like there's a realization that these certifications, good, oh, the requirements, perhaps onerous and not necessarily getting us the outcome, acquisition professionals who can buy the thing in the way we want them to buy it at the speed we need them to buy it mm-hmm. uh, at the scale we needed. And so uh, DOD has taken these steps, and, and as you mentioned, the rest of the government probably will fo- follow. Just, just for our listeners who might not uh, be as closely familiar with the acquisition workforce as you are, Bob, how many people are we
0: talking about across the government? Well, so in the defense, it's about 140,000. Um, wow. And then um, a, a like number in the agencies as well. So when you look at all the different federal agencies, and that's everybody that doesn't rely on DOD. So Department of Labor, Transportation, Homeland Security, Interior Justice, these are the federal agencies outside of uh, DOD. Any cabinet post that's not DOD pretty much.
2: Yeah. So that's a a pretty significant uh, population potentially of up to to 300,000 federal employees representing all kinds of agencies um, and missions um, that potentially could use this program?
0: Oh, absolutely. Um, Now, while it's targeted primarily at the contracting, the AC or the contracting workforce, um, virtually any other of the uh, workforce members, whatever their specialization could be, could take advantage of a program like this as well. Uh, I mean, the program, the way it's designed leads somebody through the acquisition lifecycle. So they get an understanding from beginning to end. Cradle to the grave, as we used to call it as well, of, of what a particular um, support mission could look like.
2: Awesome. And I know we've been uh, vaguely talking about the program, Mission to Mars, throughout uh, Fed Talk here. We need to pause to take a uh, break here, and then we're going to come back uh, and talk about the Mission to Mars in greater detail and, se- and talk about why... Uh, as exciting as that would be, I think for any federal employee to to think about that, um, why there may be some things in it for you, even if you don't work at NASA. Uh, you're listening to Fed Talk on Federal News Network. Welcome back. You're listening to Fed Talk on Federal News Network. We're entering the second half of our program with Bob Daughtry, Acquisition and Contracting Product Management Director from Management Concepts. We've been talking today about this program, this new acquisition workforce program, and now we're going to talk about it in some specific detail and let folks know uh, about the uh, launch. That's coming up on March 10th. Mark your calendars now. Uh, And to talk about in some detail um, this mission to Mars uh, career acquisition workforce gateway. Um, And and I just, where did this idea come from? Why mission to Mars?
0: Um, Over to you, Bob. Well, so um, the original idea for the product actually came from our CEO, uh, Tom Dungan, and it was, it, it was sort of his his uh, brainchild, if you will. Uh, and then the organization itself, management concepts, long before I joined them, started formulating the idea of, hey, let's do some sort of a cohort- based activity here and and let's let's thread together this information with some experiential learning, et cetera. and but we need a scenario as the backdrop. And so they thought about it, and they came up with this mission to Mars. Why? Because it's interesting right? It's topical. It's interesting. And typically, especially as I did coming from the DOD space, you know, you're used to any examples that are given in class are I'm buying an airplane or I'm buying a ship or I'm buying a tank or I'm developing something like that, right? Or, or I might be doing services, which means maybe I need to hire some people to do work that I don't normally do, right? So that's the typical backdrop and people are used to that. And right. And so it's not in, in people's minds anymore, anything new and exciting right Oh, okay i'm going to take a class where we're going to figure out how to buy a piece of an airplane all right uh and so what can we do to make it interesting for people you know and 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 sort of backdrop to the program and so they came up with a mission to mars and, and kicked it around the company a little bit thought it was a great idea and so as a backdrop what the story is is that we united states are going to go colonize mars right we need a we need a new home potentially if things on our planet are dying or we need to, to 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 we're overpopulating, whatever it might be. So we need some outreach, right? We need we need a place that maybe we can inhabit and explore the surface of Mars to see if maybe that's sort of a, a good place. So the, the backdrop is let's support a mission to Mars for colonization, at least the scientific colonization first to sort of see what's what. As an AC or acquisition contracting professional, your job is then to support that mission, right? You're not going to be blasting off with them, so to speak, and, and then landing on the surface of Mars. But you need to help enable everything that they need to do from services, which we're putting in this as well, some support services they might need to commodities they might need. The shelters, for instance, you know, the fuel to get there, things like that. Uh, food supplies. Right. Equipment. Uniforms, anything up they might need,
2: so you've got to right? think of everything.
0: You've so. got to think of everything. So if you think of all that as the backdrop. What we do is we then take with our product, which is Career Gateway is the family of products um, and then acquisition is the first in that family. So hence Career Gateway acquisition and, and really by Career Gateway, it's an indication to you that this is for people who are new to that's what it's designed for, right? Hence Career Gateway, we're opening that gateway to a career for you and we're going to better prepare you to do your jobs than any anything previously that, that anybody else might have had when they came in now. A lot of preparation for how to do your job is still OJT, right? Still on the job. Because that's where you learn the actual mission that you're going to be supporting and the actual roles and functions that you have. But across the contracting community, there's a lot of synergy in in the type of role that exists. What you buy is different. How you buy it is different, right? And maybe your piece in that process might be a little different, but there's a lot of synergy in in what those roles are. And so the preparation should be synergistic. Right? So we should give people a chance to learn concepts technically, apply those concepts within a given scenario. Not, now, as you said before, not everybody's going to get to work for NASA, right? So not everybody's going to have something cool like a Mars mission, but we can give them that in a training scenario. So they can have something that's really interesting to sink their teeth into and see how they could support something like that within their own decision spaces. And so that's how the, the theme sort of came about and became our backdrop. And then as most developers do, you need to sort of cut that up a little bit into episodes and events and things like that, sort of bring the whole story together and then apply the learning to it. And, and that's sort of what we did. And, and in some respects, you're still in the process of doing.
2: Yeah, no, this is like I mentioned, it's soup to nuts. You've got to figure it all out up there. Uh, will people be assigned, Assigned? I'm using air quotes for, for our listeners, assigned to an agency or is this a government-wide contracting effort? You know, kind of. Well, uh, oh, so
0: you're you're assigned to your pseudo agency that, that. So your cohort is your agency as you go. Through got it.
2: On. Okay. So, so,
0: so-, so we we make them now. You know, for for purposes of of taking real, you know, you can agency. Or you can come independently, like let's, let's say you're a, an agency of one, well, it won't be an agency of one necessarily, but you're the only contracting professional in your agency. You could then come to one of these cohorts with people from other agencies, and then you'll network and learn with them as well. But for purposes of the cohort, you'll all be in the same pseudo agency that is supporting this mission to Mars.
2: Got it. And how many folks uh, are you anticipating or expecting will be able to join the first cohort or will be able to go through cohorts at a time?
0: So nominally, it's designed for a cohort of or 30, um, and the size is somewhat flexible, but that's nominally what the design is for. And, and those sizes are structured because a lot of the cohort activity will also take place in groups. So you, you break the students up into some contiguous groups there so that they can do off work and then come back together in the larger group, but you also need to make it manageable for a facilitator. Uh, to be able to get the learning across, be able to have enough time to do discussion and feedback. And so, you know, we've, we've ostensibly come up with 24 and 30 uh, as like for a normal size and maybe a larger ex- extended size cohort. And you can run multiple simultaneously. It's just that for a facilitator, this is seems to be a good number uh, in order to be able to structure it effectively.
2: Yeah, no, that, that seems like a good group size. And as you mentioned, it could be people from all kinds of different agencies or uh, a cadre of individuals um, from the same organization. And uh, they'd go through that experience uh, in a similar way. Uh, You know, when you all were putting this together and looking at the other federal acquisition training and and practices out there, what were some of the other, you know, elements or or features that that you built into this um, that you think are gonna be really impactful for the participants?
0: So, there are going to be, I would say probably just about any training methodology you can think of is in some way folded into this experience. So, you know, not only is there the typical synchronous learning where you need technical content, so we give it to you, expose you to it, you know, you get some feedback on that to make sure you understand the content. The asynchronous activity where you're going to do research on your own, you're going to have readings, you're going to have discussion board posts, and these things you can typically find in a lot of training events. There'll be some guest speakers that that can be woven into the content as well, so you get a chance to to have that kind of learning take place, where you'll get a, an expert come in and give you, you know, some content, and and maybe you can uh, ask questions of them, etc. You've got, uh, like I said, independent readings to do. There is facilitation, and so the facilitation really takes, I'll say, three uh, distinct forms in here. One is there's a facilitator that runs the entire cohort. So they interact with the students. Um, they make sure the learning is taking place on, on the prescribed continuum and that if people are struggling can bring them up to speed or they can 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 work with people individually if they have to monitor the small group activities, those kind of things. There's also coaching that takes place. And there's there's a couple of different kinds of coaching for each of the phases, phases to the program and it follows a contracting life cycle, right? So the first phase is contract foundations or formulation and the things you need to do before you establish one. The second phase is contract pre-award. So all those things you do, to and including the actual award of the contract. So, you know, the the solicitation when you put it out on the street, asking for people to do the work, the source selection process that you go through when you choose a vendor to, to partner with, up until you actually announce that award. The third phase is post-award. And as the name indicates, this is what happens after you award that, right? When you do performance, when you've got to succeed at the mission that you've got and support whatever agency it is you work for. And then the fourth phase is something that not a lot of professionals get involved in. It's critical that you know about it, which is contract closeout. And that's when all the performance is done and all the bills are paid, You simply you need to close out the file and close out the contract and make sure that there's no loose ends hanging there. So we expose them to that entire life cycle as part of the cohort. Uh, and so the coaching activity that takes place, there's distinct coaching. There's a, there's a block of coaching built into each of the phases. So the facilitator coaches each student there on progress, strengths, areas that maybe need a little more emphasis and work. Right? How are they feeling about the program so far? Do they want or need any, uh, you know, additional help or information? And if somebody's really excelling at the program, then the coach could then maybe give them some additional help asynchronously that might enhance their experience even more. And then part of all that process is to identify where strengths and where areas that need to be worked on. And then during the phase, there's additional coaching that can take place because there are prescribed office hours where the students can contact the facilitator and say, I'd like to talk to you here about whatever, and then can schedule an office hour as well. So this is all baked into the program so that we've got some definite activity that goes on. And the third area, which we encourage the supervisors and the agencies these folks work for to do is mentoring so if they get an assigned mentor within the agency that can not only provide career guidance but that student can work with their assigned mentor as part of the program and bounce ideas off of them that maybe they're going to utilize in the program
2: and in that pulling in that mentor that person may or may not be going through the program itself
0: typically would not typically this would be a more who is say already a certified member of the workforce. Uh, And and usually in my experience, it's a couple of levels above the entry level person. Um, Sometimes that relationship is one that's discovered, right? As as you're in the agency working and sometimes you will develop a mentor or one will take you on um, because there are people out there in the government that, that are outstanding mentors. There are people who love to develop Junior uh, folks careers and, and help guide them along those career paths and thank God for them that they exist and, and they're willing to take people into their wings, so to speak, and help guide them. Um, and in fact, if we had more of that, I think it would be better, but maybe this program will in some way sort of spur some more activity along those lines and create more mentor-mentee relationships within the government.
2: Yeah, I uh I, I totally agree that that anything that can be done to move the needle there, you know, especially with the growing body of evidence that shows that this can really help people at all levels. Uh, but certainly as you move up, um, make better decisions and have some support uh, there in your corner that you can go to is, is so critical to pe- keeping people um, focused on their, their mission outcomes. Mm-hmm. Um, one question, you know, how how long uh, are these cohorts running? Is this a six-month, nine-month, six-week? Uh, you know, kind of what's the, the, the duration of, of this program?
0: That's an excellent question, Justin. So it, nominally, it's designed right now as a nine-month, approximately nine-month program. Um, we're scheduling a couple of pilots take place uh, starting in a, in a couple of months, and that'll help us refine the timing on that a little bit. Uh, and as we complete development, that helps us refine the timing as well. But I would say it will typically be anywhere from seven to nine months would be the, the the nominal timeline for this. Now, a lot of that activity, this is not like somebody has to be in the classroom, say, for nine months because I admit asynchronous activity that takes place. So while the, the length of the program is nine months, there are a few specific prescribed synchronous activities where people will have to be together in a classroom environment, you know, whether it's on site or virtual, depending on what the future holds. Um, but the synchronous takes place. While you're doing your job, while you're at home, so it, it's on your off time, so to speak, from class. But it was still a requirement of the program and a requirement of the cohort.
2: Got so. it. So people will would have a chance to fit it into the flow of their work. Some of it will will require some of that time away, um, mm-hmm. but otherwise, uh, folks hopefully can can integrate it in. And and I would imagine for these types of roles that have these certifications and and requirements that making those hours and, and putting in that work is um, a well-known feature of, of of managing that workforce.
0: Oh, absolutely. I um, mean, and anybody who's been anywhere near a contracting professional in any branch of the federal government knows how busy they are on the job and how much they have to take into account. So a program like this that can help them be better prepared to, to hit the ground running, if you will, is really only going to enhance their career and their career development, get them off on the right foot.
2: Awesome. Um, thanks, Bob. We've got a pause here for our final break. Uh, and when we return, uh, we'll wrap up our uh, discussion about the Career Gateway acquisition. Uh, you're listening to Fed Talk on Federal News Network. Welcome back to Fed Talk on Federal News Network. We're entering our last segment of the show on the upcoming Management Concepts Career Gateway Acquisition Program. Uh, and before the break, we were talking with uh, Bob about uh, the design of this new Mission to Mars uh, program uh, focused on on the acquisition workforce. And, and I wanted to go back to kind of the design of the program uh, and something Bob shared with us over the break of that. Uh, that the team at Management Consultants think the design and an outcome-focused uh, orientation uh, is going to really lead to some, some interesting and new experiences for the participants of this program and hopefully outcomes for those agencies who send their folks through it.
0: So one of the crucial pieces of the program that we haven't really talked about yet is a learner agreement. So when you enter into the program, we have you sign a learner agreement, and that's essentially a contract in and of itself between the agency the learner and us and and i like to call it an expectation management agreement right here's what you can expect from the cohort here's what we expect from you in terms of engagement and effort and here's what the workplace and the supervisor can expect from you when you come out of the program and so the program become focused a lot of training and and uh classroom type environments that people go to are very knowledge focused right and certainly there's knowledge within this program that you're going to obtain but instead of the the simply paring back rote knowledge and saying yeah i accumulated this technical information and now i've taken a test and i've shown you that i have accumulated that information which is the vast majority of what we have in the training space the learner agreement we have up front sort of states here's the outcomes that that you can expect you're going to have skills development, enhanced skills development as part of the technical content you're going to get. There will be some leadership development that takes place within the program. There will be some business acumen content and development along those lines. There will be critical thinking and critical decision making that takes place and there will be enhanced skills along those lines as well. And there will be outcomes associated with those. The scenario that we immerse you in has objectives associated with each one of the episodes and phases in the scenario and the decisions you make Will be outcome focused so it's not just i learned a passage in the far and i applied it here it's what's the outcome from applying that and from crafting a contractual instrument related to that right what was your initial thought what was the initial requirement what was the initial thought what was the initial outcome you hoped happened what outcome did happen as a result right and then how do you react to that And and oh by the way the program is not a pristine environment. And what I mean by that is it's not going to be a perfect environment sailing through the cohort with no problems. We're going to use difficulty. We're going to talk about disputes. We're going to talk about what happens with non-performance. We're going to talk about what happens if if, if something you know that you hadn't conceived of occurs and you need to modify that contract, right? How do you modify it? What do you take into account? But then the second and third order consequences the actions you have to take in order to support that mission. Because remember, this is a mission to Mars, right? So you need to take some timely action in order to fix problems to make sure that that mission stays supported. So we'll introduce problems, and then we'll discuss those problems. We'll have coaching around those problems as well, because while while everybody won't support a mission to Mars when they get back to the workplace, they will have real-world problems. And those problems will both interrupt the work they're doing, confuse the work they're doing, complicate the work they're doing, and they'll also create problems within the context of the contracts that they uh, happen to establish. So they need to know how to deal with this. Right. And so a program, one of the things that can also be a, as an additional outcome is a stress reducer, because after you've gone through something like this and you've learned how to do those decisions in a space like the scenario allows, when you get back to the workplace, it's going to be your first time with stress, right? Now, granted, you went from ac- academic stress to job stress, but but it'll be something to pull back on. And they'll take these materials with them that they learn in the course. They'll create a portfolio that they take with them back to the job and can always refer to. And so, you know, something on the job may remind them, hey, you know what? When I was back in that gateway thing, I had something that wasn't too different from this particular problem I've got. Now, let me look back and see what I did back then and maybe some of the, the decision space I had. And so right. this, this training will live with them as they go forward in their careers now. And, and then... To further enhance their training, we're going. We're developing uh, various career tr- development tracks to sort of help them through the remainder of their career. But this is the one that gets them off on the big start uh, to sort of, you know, get their career uh, in the right direction.
2: Well, and I think that having that foundation of those, yes, that that technical skills and the technical know-how, but really, the problem-solving skills, you know, working with other people. Mm-hmm. you know to understand their needs uh that more kind of dynamic part you know dealing with the world because the world is always changing and stuff's going to happen mm-hmm. helping people be resilient and and stretching and working some of those muscles uh you know in a practice setting uh, yeah. as opposed to to uh when there are really are people you know waiting on you on the mission to mars i think is um makes a whole lot of sense to me
0: well you yeah, know and the power of a cohort is that you're going to be working with learning from and getting feedback from your peers as well as the facilitator and the other instructors that are involved from our side in the program. So you get instant feedback. You have a network that you develop, which both within the cohort itself that you can lean on, right? You get additional information for the decisions that need to be made, but you also create that network that you take with you. So when you graduate, so to speak, from the cohort and you go to back to your agency, you now have an extended network that you have developed as a result of that cohort that you can lean back on and use throughout your whole career.
2: Yeah, and there's there's so much power in that, that network, whether it's just other people who you can call on um, uh, or just uh, like-minded or, or like-experienced folks who, who you know you have a common uh, bond and experience with to, to carry forward in, in your service um, to the nation. Um, you know, I, I know that we have this this big launch event on March 10th, and I wanted to make sure that we uh, put that on the radar of our listeners, um, that the launch event for uh, this new Career Gateway uh, product is on March 10th, and there's going to be an online event, but also an in-person event for those who are here in the DC area, uh, I know we've kind of covered the gamut quite quickly here on Fed Talk today, Bob. But you know what's going to happen on March 10th for those who are looking at, at that event or interested mm-hmm. in in finding out more about this program?
0: Oh, absolutely, thank you. So, if you want to find out more about the Gateway Program itself and the launch event, if you go to our website at managementconcepts.com and then put backslash blast off, catchy, right? So blast off is the the moniker that will take you directly to the gateway information. Um, And then on that, you'll get some information about it. The launch of it takes place March 10th at the national press club downtown uh, on 14th street, and it'll commence at uh, three o'clock, go for about an hour and a half, I think maybe two hours, and will consist of a panel discussion with um, several uh, members of the federal and DOD workforce that, um, have got um, scores of experience in the hey, you've got a place. real
2: rock star. Uh, we, do, we have a rock star lineup, absolutely.
0: And what they're going to pretty much talk about is uh, some of what we've talked about today, which is training uh, of the professionals and preparation of the professionals and maybe what's been good, what's maybe been missing, the landscape that we all operate in, right now, the changing environment, and then maybe what the acquisition professional of the future needs to know, needs to have, needs to be, so to speak. And then that'll sort of segue into a presentation of the program itself with some media information coming out. We've got some videos to show people concerning the program, some more information and sort of announce the program to the world um, And in a, a very uh, interesting format that we've got established, so.
2: Yeah, and, and you know, for those who are interested in this event, it sounds like, obviously, if you are in the acquisition workforce, this makes a lot of sense for you, but for other government leaders, it also sounds like there might be some other useful information, uh, whether it's about the style uh, of, of the way that this development activity has been packaged up, uh, some of the methods and tools that you're using, and kind of who, who, who should come, who should check this out, uh, who are you
0: hoping to see there? So I, I, I would, would hope that we would see at the in-person event at least as many of the senior acquisition professionals as we can get there. Uh, this is an exciting program and, and I think it can bring a big, big big change to the landscape of acquisition. And they really, uh, we would love a chance to demonstrate to them what effect them could have and how it could help them in, in their mission. Um, but when you register, when you go to that, that uh, managementconcepts.com slash blastoff, there'll be a registration portal there that you need to register for the event, whether you're doing it online or in person, right? And so I encourage you to come and at least listen to learn about the program, its benefits, et cetera. Anybody that's related to acquisition should at least listen in. And by related to, there's a whole um, bunch of the workforce that I lovingly have called over the years, the non-statutory acquisition workforce. So the statutory acquisition <laughs> workforce is that carved out by Title 10 and Title 5 as you need all this training right but there's non-statutory people too people who aren't mandated to take training but still work in the acquisition space and work with people and support people who are in the acquisition workforce and could also benefit from learning about a program like this Um, so you know if you touch acquisition at all in any capacity i would encourage you to learn more about the program
2: yeah and i think that that's an interesting point you make that there are different requirements
0: out there for the workforce,
2: some much higher bars or, or, or more stringent requirements. And, you know, what, what I, I think I heard earlier with you mentioning the new DOD uh, training regimen that's more focused on that less than 200 hours as opposed to 650 plus, are you seeing the government moving toward a place where we need all acquisition professionals to have more of a kind of baseline uh, knowledge or acumen so that they can work with one another? Um, as, as a broader cadre,
0: so one of the things that that, that we at Management Concepts do is we sort of cross thread training. So let's say your primary focus is contracting, which is the the domain that I provide care and feeding for. There are courses that we recommend for professionals in in the contracting space that they take in leadership, in financial management, you know, in other areas to sort of broaden. Their perspective as they go through their careers and develop themselves more as a complete acquisition professional. And you never know when somebody is going to, to so say, jump to another career field out of interest or out of necessity. Um, I'm I am certified um, under the the old uh, Defense Workforce and uh, Acquisition Workforce Improvement Act at a senior level in both contracting and program management, and sort of bounced back and forth during my career between positions in each, and enjoyed it. I mean, it's 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 a lot of work staying current in two different career fields, but there are people who do it out there every day. Uh, and so we encourage that, you know, you might call it cross-pollinization, I guess, if you're in a specific career field, uh, sort of reaching into another for some uh, information, education, training activities. Uh, but it, it, I believe it's beneficial and could provide a wealth of assistance in your career as it develops. Give you a broader perspective.
2: Yeah. Um well uh bob daughtry uh the thank you so much for being here with us here today on fed talk uh bob is the acquisition and contracting product management director for management concepts uh i want to invite folks to join uh management concepts and us um on march 10th for the career gateway um uh, Blast Off event you can check that out at managementconcepts.com blastoff um, that's all the time we have here on fed talk today that talk is brought to you by the Federal Employment Law Firm of Shaw, Bransford & Roth. Have a great day and a great weekend.